Alright folks, welcome to another fun-filled episode of Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. And as always, I'm Scoop Magoo. I'm Jim Jam. And we have our usual new music review roundup. Uh, I'm feeling very Shatner-esque today. I don't know what's going on. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was going to say Ira Glass, <laughs> but, um, you know. Um, <laughs> and we have a nice mix of releases. Really interested to hear your thoughts on a lot of these, because I, uh, I definitely have thoughts as well, which is good, because otherwise there wouldn't be a point in having a podcast. So um, <laughs> I mean, try, try to tell that, right, to... A couple of podcasts out there, right? Oh, ayo. <laughs> oh, um, I, I actually, I, I don't really know who I'm even talking about. I'm assuming that there's a bad <laughs> podcast out there. Just, just, just like a like a blind, like blind hot take aimed at the universe. Yeah. Um, I, well, I mean that. Yeah, that's kind of fitting for me. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So we're gonna start off with a kind of a, a, a quick release that uh, I'm excited to talk about, and it is. Eve by Fortresses and I don't know much about this project so I welcome you to yeah so yeah this is um this is the debut album by Fortresses I I wish I knew that you know I'm just gonna look it up um (laughs) so it's uh an album on off of uh Dragon's Eye recordings uh which is one of my um well, sort of not one of my favorite labels, but like definitely like a label that I always try to keep my eye on because they're known for just being really great at uh, like ambient uh, and like sound art and things like that. And um, this, when I first heard uh, one of the singles from this, I think it was June, the first track. Uh, I was like, okay, I like I need to listen to this. And so yeah, um, this is let's see. So I I feel like the, the, this this is where we should actually do um, research. Uh, Sam Ashton is the person behind Fortresses, um, but yeah. So th- this is kind of like you know a very I mean a very kind of modern ambient album in that you know I think you've got like a lot of you know um, mixture of like field recordings as well as you know more just ambient more musical ideas. But that being said, I feel like it very much pulls from like you know kind of like an eno um esque type of aesthetic in some ways um just in that it it definitely feels very spacey and atmospheric but not in the way that it's drenched in reverb but more in you know again what i felt like you know eno was doing with like you know music for airports and stuff where it was like he was sort of setting up a space that you were kind of existing in um but yeah this is a really just really small like album i think it's it's like 22 minutes something like that uh i apple music actually has it listed as like an ep i think i know that honestly that threw me off at first because i was like am i I listening to the right thing but i'm like i i checked Bandcamp and i had you know i have the same same info um and if if you want to dive right in you know there are plenty of ambient albums i've checked out where I'm kind of by the end. I'm ready. Like I, in general, you know, at this point, I have to be in the mood for 
an ambient album, and sometimes they can be quite long. Um, this is one of the first times in recent memory where I wish there was more. Like I, I yeah. thought this was absolutely stunning. I loved the tones and the the melodies he picked out. I thought this was you know just a handful of tracks, but really really beautiful stuff. Uh, I think as a result, I don't have a ton to say about it, but I, I guess I uh, just appreciate you bring this to my attention because I I loved love this project like just from the first note of the first track i thought the you know because for me what really attracts me to ambient is just that's why i've been such a big fan of of you know huerco s and you know obviously tim hecker is i feel like the the specific melodies there's very memorable you know i think a lot of times ambient music can just i mean pretty obviously can fade in the background if it's not done well and obviously there are plenty of examples of that but when you mm-hmm. you know, kind of cling to a really really nice, really nice tones, really nice melodies, and you can kind of sustain that. I mean, and one of my favorite ambient albums of all time is uh, Cascade by William Basinski. It just and it's one of my favorite. It's just an absolutely gorgeous, haunting piano melody, and just that melody. It's pretty much that for the entire thirty minute runtime, and it's just so memorable as a result. And I feel like I got a similar feeling. With this release so really interested to hear what this guy does next yeah i mean it's, it's funny because I, I i i really like this a lot but i i don't know if i would sort of use the same sort of descriptors that you did uh, okay. because you know but I, at least but for me there it didn't feel like there was a whole lot to hang off of in particular but i don't consider that a weakness you know i it, you know it it sort of con- conforms more to like you know like that that Eno definition of ambient music where like you can pay attention to it and let it sit in the background at the same time and kind of have this journey where you're kind of traveling between those two, you know, sets of like, you know, between active and passive listening. And, um, I definitely felt that a lot with this and like, you know, from, you know, like you said, like from like the first note, I mean, what's funny though is with, with mine, like I, I, the bass is so like, it's so like, you know, sub bass, going on like Mm. in like the first track or at least for like the first few minutes of the first track that like i thought that i there was something wrong with my stereo almost at some (laughs) point like so i was like turning it up and up and up and it was just like nope nope it's it's just like really low at this point in time and then it just kind of grows from there and uh yeah it's it's a beautiful little album i mean and it's it's funny this is probably like one of the few albums that we've talked about this year where like you know it's 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 actually shorter than it maybe should be in some ways i know yeah i mean like i was thinking the same thing kind of what i mentioned earlier is that usually i you know actually yeah you're right a number of times when we've reviewed new, new albums i've commented that it just i don't know where but there it felt like some music needed to be cut out and this yeah. was the exact opposite for me yeah yeah it it, it definitely like I, I mean, it, it could have benefited from more, but I, I would also say that, like, I, I feel like to have each, you know, I like, I, I feel like I would rather have it too short than too long, in a way, because, you know, at, at least when it's, you know, bare bones, everything that is there is essential. Whereas, you know, when you start upping that runtime, you know, you you definitely run into some issues there. You know, you you there's a possibility that what you have might not completely benefit the overall composition. Mm. Uh, whereas like everything here is just 
you know, right here, and it's and it's as a result, it's just really solid. Um, yeah, this is like the first uh, Dragon Eye album um, that I've really uh, been digging. Um, I've listened to, I think, a, a, maybe one or two other ones. There was this other one called um, Below Diorite Waters, which is it, it's a really cool idea for an album. It's this um, the the guy's name's uh, Joey Largent. Who, who did it, he basically just took, um, uh, he, he basically mic'd, like, these, it says, like, he, he mic'd these symbols in a lava tube, basically, of, like, a cave system near Mount St. Helens, and, um, like, re just recorded that, in a way, and it's, it's a really cool idea, uh, but it's just, it just didn't really work well, it just didn't, like, hit me a ton mm. but like nonetheless just sort of their whole aesthetic you know like sort of like how they they frame every album cover if you ever look at um all of their albums at any point you know like that sort of thing always has me interested and just you know um just i, I always think it's cool to just check out these ambient labels that are that are doing you know something more in the vein of ambient and sound art so mm. um yeah no I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you know sam ashton does in the future um yeah this was really great i i i, I wish i kind of wish it was on cd but i also think that would maybe be um kind of i don't know i mean, I, I i guess shorter albums have been on cd so um, yeah no for sure like I, yeah. I have plenty i mean this definitely straddled the line between like an ep an album yeah um, i mean so. I, I i feel like nowadays that the, those sort of what discerns you know either of those record you know you know those formats in terms of runtime is is becoming more and more blurred um because i mean there are people who have you know like alice i mean even actually for it's been like this for a while i mean alice in chains is um you know jar of flies is like you know verging on like 40 minutes yeah and like you know that's an ep um but then you also have you know something like this which i think is considered more of an album um and it's a half of that time so you know it's i in my mind as long as it's good man as long as it's interesting and you know there's there's a lot to like here you know it's just very textural and just you know um meditative you know which i think is you know always a good sign of an ambient album um yeah but but i mean i i guess just to end with this is that like i i feel like I personally don't have much more to say here because they're just, while what is here is really great, there just isn't a lot of it. And so I don't feel right. Like, I, I don't really think that I can just, you know, keep pulling stuff out of my ass in a way. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely in, in the same spot. Definitely worth checking out if you're into ambient. Um, and yeah. with that, we will turn to our second album, which I am also very excited to talk about. It is the new black dice album called mod prog sick seek sick um, sick well sick. i mean I, how do you say it like for like the journalistic term because i yeah. think it's just sick right yeah it's one I, of my I, I i always think of the slipknot song even though I've, i don't think i've ever listened to that song but god we should we should do we should really, we really do an episode. Should, we, we really should do a slipknot because i i i hold that album so close to my my heart um but is that volume three no, it's the the self titled their first first album. Oh, okay. Um, really, really good, 
really good album. But we're not talking about that album. We're talking about this album. And I don't know what I expected from these guys at all, honestly. I mean, I I just... I mean, did did you know... um, How much did you know about these guys before you sort of went into this? Yeah, I was going to say I didn't... You know, I knew they were on DFA. So I was like, okay. You know, I don't... No, not for this album. But, like, you know, originally they were on DFA. And I was like, okay. Like, so it's probably a little bit more electronic. And then... I saw, you know, experimental rock and indie. Like, it just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of genres that I, I, I could see them being adjacent or together, but, you know, like Indietronica, experimental, even at one point, I guess, you know, they're a hardcore punk band or a noise rock band yeah. at one point. So I was like, okay, is this going to be a little bit more on the heavier end of the experimental spectrum? It, like, I just really wasn't sure what to expect. Um, and I don't, even though I don't know what I, you know, I'm not really sure what I was expecting. Uh, I didn't know. I don't really think I got it. I, I, I guess I'll, I'll let you take it away before I, I give my yeah, my thoughts. Um, but well, so when I mean, I've known about Black Dice for uh, a few years now, and they've always been a band that like I've wanted to listen to. Um, you know, and I think it's just like every time I've tried to put on uh, their debut, Beaches and Canyons. I've just never really vibed with it. And uh, when they announced this, which is like their first album in like, I think almost a decade. Um, I think their last album was like 2013, I want to say. Um, and yeah, just, I, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to take, you know, and just jump on this opportunity in a way to just, you know, give them a listen, force myself to give them a listen, even if it's, you know, um, maybe not what, fans would consider their best or like you know i think the last few albums i don't think are as well loved as like beaches and canyons i guess uh, but you know looking at their stuff on wikipedia and what have you and sort of rate your music they you know like you said th- there's a lot of weird uh john like you know a mishmash of genre tags a, a melange if you will of of genre tags that are just getting like you know just tossed around mm-hmm. and it it it's a little confusing at points because like you're like okay so like this is like like maybe noisy maybe border on like harsh noise like experimental electronic music but then there's also like this psychedelic aspect to it but then there's also like this indie aspect to it and it's like what like again and then you're like oh yeah they started out as like a hardcore punk band you're like what you know and so like there's just no way to make any sense of any of that uh, and then if you look at their album covers, you get even less of a sense, um, you know? And so I, yeah, I I genuinely did not know what to think about with this because I remember like when, I remember Fantano talked about, uh, I think the debut single from this um, in one of his like weekly track roundups. And he was saying that like, oh, this is like just really, really like just out there, you know, harsh, almost weirdness. And uh, listening to it, I, I I don't think harsh is a great word to describe it. I don't think yeah. noisy is a great word to describe it. Um, you know, it's definitely weird. Like it's definitely out there. Like it, 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 it almost feels like, I mean, I, I guess like, I guess it, it feels like what it is. is just like a bunch of punks, you know, sort of just trying to make dance music, but they, they're coming at it from like a completely different angle in a way. Um, but I, I would also say to call this dance music is, is you know, a, a gross exaggeration and definitely like kind of a misnomer. 
um, on my part. But yeah, they, this is just some, I, I guess experimental electronic is the best way to describe it. But I, I again, I don't even think that that really meets this like criteria. Like, I don't know, I just, it, it's a very difficult album to describe, but I, 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 I enjoyed it um, to, to an extent. I think like it's definitely not uh, I guess it, it's it's not immediately accessible like I, I definitely found that on my second listen I enjoyed it a lot more than the first um, you know but it yeah I I, I, I thought it was good so I, I but what are you thinking here I I really really like this album I think the reason I sounded hesitant at first was because I assumed this was just based on the description. I thought it was a more of a rock leaning like a like a basically a experimental rock band that leaned into electronics. This is yeah. very heavy heavily electronic album. Uh and I, this is like some of the most fun I've had. Like I think this is the most fun weird album I've listened to in a little while. Like I, that's kind yeah, of like a I, that's kind of a weird way to put it, but I just felt like there's some weird stuff going on here, and it's it's almost like the... Uh, I mean, this is a little bit of a weird comparison. It's almost like the Loki-Thor version <laughs> of Animal Collective, in a way. Whereas you know, Animal <laughs> Collective is Thor, and like these guys are Loki, where it yeah, had... But, but, but does that mean like Thor just sucks now? or <laughs> Well... That's, we're, we're not we're not talking about that right now. Yeah, yeah I have a, I have a, I have a checkered past with uh, uh, our good friends I, at Animal I, Collective. I, I, I don't think you're the only one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was they. Uh, sorry, we'll get off this tangent. But it's been interesting how they, even like the pitchforks of the world, have kind of not been totally on board with their recent direction, which is interesting because yeah. usually like they'll they'll make excuse for it, but anyone. But anyway, um, yeah, it felt like the same kind of. Uh, I mean, Animal Collective were one of the first bands, I mean, as far as I know, that really, like, made Indietronica a thing. Or at least, like, they they feel like they embody that for me. Like, when I think of Indietronica, I think of, like, super quirky, um, you know, quirky, off-kilter, you know, very poppy, some indie sensibilities, but definitely an electronic release. And that's how I felt about this, except, I don't know, just, it, it, it was... It was really, really like a lot of fun ideas without being too, it wasn't too goofy because, you know, I think sometimes that's been my issue with Animal Collective is I feel like either they sound like they're asleep or they're like way too, like way too silly. And I, I feel like these guys mm. really struck the balance nicely. So I don't know. I had yeah. a lot of fun with this. I was, yeah. uh, again, I was expecting, like I said, a rock album or rock band that, you know, utilizes electronics and i i got a you know a pretty much a straight up electronic band that just yeah knows but, how to but, but have a good time there's definitely like that there's that psychedelic edge to it yeah for sure like, yeah i mean yeah. I, I think everything that they said or you know, i mean not them but you know everything that was that would you know describe them as it definitely showed up i think it made sense you know not so much the hardcore punk or at least it wasn't like i could yeah. see how they had that attitude and that spirit but it I, certainly I, wasn't i, like I think i think it's like saying like you know like how neurosis started out as a hardcore punk band but it's like yeah like like just listen to neurosis right <laughs> yeah well 
Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but like I, I guess like you were saying, I think a lot of those genres like they show up there. I think it's just like trying to think about like how they come together. It's just one of those things that you can't really put on paper in a way. You know, I think it's just like you have to just listen to it. Like it, it, it's like when they describe Beefheart as being like, like almost like a free blues artist in a way, and it's like, wait, what? And you have to like mm-hmm. just put on Trout Mask and and just you know be like, okay, this man's insane, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and just and just kind of like revel in sort of the joy of it. I don't. Know. But I, I would say the difference because I, I was thinking about this actually just between Beefheart and this because I know like every time I listen to Trout Ra- Trout Mask Replica like I have to like reteach myself how to listen to the album if that makes any sense mm. um it, and like you know I go through like this phase of like this sucks this sucks this sucks this is genius <laughs> and uh, whereas <laughs> like I think with this it it I I think it's it's much more accessible and it's much more staying like I I think I needed to get over that first hump which again wasn't really a bad hump. I I just don't think I I knew what to expect, and so that that was kind of what threw me. But yeah, like I mean, it was it was an enjoyable album. Um, you know, I I feel like I I want to give it some more time to sort of you know gestate in my mind. But like, you know, what I did listen to was like you said, just really fun. You know, it it definitely didn't feel like it was taking itself too seriously. Um, if have you have you ever seen any of their other album covers? Because there there's this one that is um particularly interesting. Um, okay, I'm gonna have to take a look. Yeah, is, is the, that all you're gonna say about it? Yeah, I I would just say look it up on your own time. It's it's interesting. <laughs> all right, um, I'm gonna try to look at it quickly so that we can be on the same page. Yeah, I, I will. I, I'll, let, let me try to find the name of it um, because it's, is it Broken Ear Record? I don't. Yeah, I think it's Broken Ear Record. Wow, that's it, uh that's a choice. Yes, it is Broken Ear Record. Yeah, because uh, uh, I, I remember I saw this. Um, this was actually at Bullmoose in Portsmouth. I think it's still there actually. Because um, <laughs> everyone picks it up and is like, man. I'm all set with that. I was actually going to buy it uh, a while ago, and then I just I looked up on Rate Your Music, and they're like, it, it was like I think their lowest rated album at that point, and I was like, do I want to take a shot with this or not? And I didn't, but I feel like I'm better for it because we got to listen to this album. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I and again, I'm not really familiar with you know, what's considered, like, you know, quote-unquote their best, you know, which, again, Beaches and Canyons is supposed to be their best. And if you look at that album, that's a really cool album cover. Um, you know, but it's, yeah, like, I just, for some reason, never vibed with that album. But anyway, um, yeah, definitely something I, I feel like I want to check out more. I feel like I they, this is something that, like, I would probably end up buying, um, I don't know where it would show up at the end of the year, but like, I think it's worth a buy just because it's, it's, it's a fun little thing to just put on. Um, no, it, it's, it's really, really cool. I'm glad we checked it out. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Now, um, I, I guess if we're going to move on, we're moving on to like kind of the big boys. Here. Yeah. We got two, two big boys, uh, probably two of the more, um, anticipated albums both for us and i think in general certainly this next project in the the jazz world is the new bad bad not good album 
this is their first album in like five years. Uh, they were yeah. releasing albums at a pretty, pretty steady clip. You know, their debut 2011, then second one 2012, third 2014. Uh, released a great compilation in 2015 with Ghostface Killer, which I think is probably still um, my favorite thing that they've done. Followed up with their fourth album in yeah. 2016, and then uh, yeah, I don't know. And I feel like it's not really a COVID thing. You know, 2016, that's five years. It's well, pl- their, um, their keyboardist um, left in 2019. Okay. If I remember right. Um, but yeah, it, it is it is kind of interesting to sort of see the silence. But I, I, I think that was... I, I, I remember seeing something saying like something around along the lines of just like we kind of needed to like take a break almost. All right. Well, um, I mean, that's and, you can't, you know, I guess you can't blame anyone for that. So yeah, I mean, it, to be fair, like, like they, you know, when they broke on with their first album, I mean, like they got some pretty big hype from like that moment onwards, um, and they've been in, you know, pretty high demand in some ways, you know, and you know, pretty beloved by their fans, um, and like you know, I, and obviously that that Ghostface album is just awesome you know that's that's still probably my favorite ghostface project um and, and i i compare that like i think that's better than supreme clientele and i don't care who the fucks he, cares <laughs> you know so um yeah it, it's but yeah so they came they ended up coming out with this um this thing this year and I, yeah I, like you said i don't think it's it was a covid thing um as much like as said, just yeah yeah, like a five-year gap, you know. And, yeah. Uh, I I guess they came back with the decision they really wanted to be a capital day J jazz band. I mean, if you look back at, you know, their first... Obviously, like, like the, the, their, their first album was, like, a, a lot of covers of, like, Joy Division and, like, the Legend of Zelda theme and things yeah. like that. Which, and, I mean, uh, I still, like, if, if they came clean and said hey man like this was just supposed to be like fun like we were just trying to like fuck around i totally believe that but if yeah if, whatever they did it worked they had some originals on their second album and still did some covers uh their third album i don't know what maybe just because it was a weird time i don't remember spending that much time with it but it was their fourth album i think was really personally a favorite, a really a good sweet spot for them. Uh, I mm. I love that album, and unfortunately, a lot of the reasons I love that album are why I'm not as big into Talk Memory. I mean, just to be clear, I think this is a good album. I I like it. I definitely am glad I gave it a, another shot after you know my first listen left me really cold. Uh, but for me. What I like so much about Four, um, you know, that their their last album came out, you know, five years ago at this point. There were some great features that integrated super well into the album. Like I really like the the Sam Herring, you know, from Future Islands, Time Moves Slow. I love the you know, kind of the duet or the the collaboration with Colin Stetson. You know, the Catronada track is really good. I mean, I've always been a big fan of Mick Jenkins. I thought his feature was really, really nice. Uh, that I, Charlotte Day Wilson, I mean, her, in your eyes, that's a gorgeous track, um, and I think the lack of that kind of, I mean, all those artists I mentioned are quite different in their own mm. music. So I don't know. This this felt very good to me. Um, I just if 
I appreciate. I think that they're I think they're very talented. They, they did a, a more traditional jazz album very well. I don't think there's anything about this I could really critique, other than I just I kind of liked what they were doing. I liked what they had going. I liked the trajectory they were headed in, and um. I just I feel bad saying it because I you know I really like this band I love their personality I think they brought a lot of fun in how they you know the the intersection of, of how they approach jazz with hip hop and, and some other elements but this just this one just left me I went from feeling cold to feeling luke you know, lukewarm to maybe like a maybe like a light simmer you know like you're just simmering water on on the burner uh, I mean I mm. definitely really really like. This album, I think that it's it's a it's a good project, uh, and I'm I think I'm just trying to get past, you know, my own expectations. I'm trying to get past what I wanted it to be and what I was hoping for, and and trying to listen to it in a vacuum. And but of course that's difficult to do. Um, I don't know. No, I mean, arguably impossible. In a yeah, way to listen to like, a vacuum. But I'm 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 trying just because I. I think that they deserve that because I think they've they've created some great music in the in the past and uh, I don't know I'm 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 really curious what you're gonna say because I I'm I mean in general I I respect your opinion and I won't I'm well, just curious you. yeah so please yeah. please take it away yeah um so I, I'm I'm I mean spoil I think just long story short uh, TLDR. I'm kind of of the same opinion. I think I'm probably a little more positive about it. Uh, I will say, like, the first, my first listen to it definitely w was similar to yours, that it just left me really cold. And I was, like, like the first track, which was uh, produced by, by Sam Shepard, of all people. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but Floating Points. Um, yeah, it, it, like, I really found a hard... Like, I found it difficult the first time around to really connect with that track. And it was just an odd way to open. Like, it, it felt like it was always... It felt like it was, like, too busy, in a way. Like, it like it couldn't, like, settle down and kind of be what it needed... Like, what it was trying to be, in a way. Um, but, you know, I... And, and I felt like... Sort of... It, it, it definitely felt a lot looser. You know, it, it definitely didn't... Like, it did feel as tight compositionally which you know i i as i looked into it uh a lot of this album was just based on jam sessions like mm. it was just like them improvising and i think that they they I, you know i that like they described it as mostly improvised so um you know take that how you will uh but i i think that sort of probably plays a part in things a little bit because i i, I think beforehand you know they were probably composing a lot of what they were doing mm -hmm. um and i think just to come in with like this degree of of you know freedom is you know i i think it can be a little alienating if you're not used to you know if, if you're expecting something else um so yeah I, I i just felt like at the end of like my first listen i think the biggest thing was just like sort of the magnetism that the band brought with their earlier albums was just really lacking like it it didn't feel like it had that pull anymore um but you know on repeat listens i i actually enjoyed it a lot more um you know it, i i found you know like i mean the performances on this are, are just gorgeous 
Um, you know, Laraji, there are some great features on here. Laraji does a great job uh, playing, um, I don't know if he plays Zither, I think he plays Hammer Dulcimer um, on it. But, I mean, but we've, we've covered Laraji before. Um, we talked about one of his albums, I think, either last year or earlier this year. I don't remember which one. But, um, anyway, yeah, he, um, like, the performances all around this thing are just gorgeous. Um, the string arrangements by, uh, Arthur, uh, Verokai, who's, uh, I guess, sort of, he's, uh, like a composer, and, uh, I, I think he's from, he's, like, he's a South American composer, uh, and sort of jazz musician in his own right, and so, uh, you know, those string arrangements were just gorgeous. They really added, I felt like, you know, kind of like another dimension to it. Um, you know, I, I felt like it just, I think overall it, ju it just lacked like this charisma that I, I, I think their previous albums had in spades. Um, and I don't know if this is really a, you know, I don't know if you can't really point at like, a at a single cause for this because I think, you know, um, it's not necessarily like, oh, you didn't have any like prominent features or you you just you got rid of the hip hop or something like that you know it's it's i i feel like there are a lot of extenuating like cir circumstances throughout this album that like kind of coalesce into this thing just not having the pull you know uh the band once did um you know i i also i i just i also want to point this out because um on pitchfork they refer to it as uh their most compositionally complex record to date even though uh, most of it is improvised. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. So, oh, that's funny. So, so Pitchfork, uh, yep, good on you, man. Uh, way, to, w w way to do your research, I guess. I mean, I, the, not, not, not that we're any better, but... <laughs> no, but I, I mean, we're, 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 you know... I mean, it, look, if, if you want to get, you know, technical and, you know, kind of philosophical here improvisation is just composition in real time um but you know I, I i don't think that that's how pitchfork would view it yeah no for <laughs> so, sure i yeah but I, I i i guess if you want to talk about complexity i mean i guess there's yeah i think with the string arrangements i think you could probably lob that description and have it land pretty well but still it is just odd but what, what were you saying yeah and i I mean, th there are many ways you could talk about a record, but like whether or not it's complex, I don't know. I don't know if that's like inherently a a, a positive. I mean, like, I don't know what they rated the the album, but I mean, I guess I could. I think I it's could, positive. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could hear this being, you know, like okay, like this is a little bit more complex, but I, I again, I don't know if that's a good thing. You know, like the, well, the song. It, it, I mean, note is compositionally complex, not not just complex. Because I mean, you could you could technically just keep adding shit. You could just keep overdubbing, and like, technically it would sound like a wall of sound. But you know, it doesn't mean that like, I, I guess that's technically complex in its own right. But you know, I think compositionally complex. I think that, I, I don't know. Just the those two words together just has me assuming that oh they spent like the last like two years working on this thing which <laughs> yeah. I don't think was really the case. Yeah. Um, um, I I think the direction I was going to take it in is you know a song like you know the song with Sam Herring, um, you know time we was slow, 
or even the Catronata track, like those, those weren't, I don't know if I would call them compositionally complex. They're actually a little bit more straightforward, but I just think they were yeah. a lot more interesting than what was going yeah, on I, I here. Yeah, I think just memorable. Right? Yeah, exactly, memorable. I think, I think that's probably the best word to use here, honestly, is that the, literally... It's, it's sound, yeah. They, uh, was it, um, is it talk memory, right? Yeah. Because I, I, I have <laughs> sound memory down for some reason. On here, but what's funny because talk memory isn't really memorable. Yeah, I mean, it, I th again, I, I really, I think you hit the nail on the head because I. That's ultimately what my issue with this is: is that I just don't. After a while, I was like, man, I don't really, not much stuck out from that listen, you know. And yeah. Just and like I mean, the, even the like, more I listened to it, it was kind of the same. It's kind of the same issue. I just felt like, man, I'm like this is just not. This is just not grabbing me. Like it's not yeah, grabbing it, in the it, same it, way that like, it used to. I guess the, this is a maybe not a great comparison, but like I think with like the Black Dice album, you know, there there were a lot of you know very similar elements in between like between all of the songs in that album. Mm -hmm. But I could definitely pick out certain ideas from it, you know, without really thinking much about it. But with 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 Talk Memory, I'm just I'm straining to kind of remember certain bits that aren't just like a random string flourish or here or there or just kind of like a kind of like a random jam you know moment in a way you know it it, it reminded me um a little bit like more like like a toned down version of like that new mono body album um mm, which yeah. I, I really liked but i it definitely like i i feel like that mono body album is way more memorable yeah you know it, it just way more charismatic and just felt like there was more going on that that really wanted me to like just re-listen to it whereas this was just like it's fine you know it's yeah it's just fine <laughs> yeah and and i just I, I don't really think i think you're right i'm not sure it was a a lack of, i mean obviously they there were features on this but i don't think it was a lack of or kind of the toned down features here because their first two albums, I don't think had any vocals on it. Yeah. I don't think, and so I just think it really is a, a compositional thing, and that's unfortunate. But um, I mean, again, I think why I struggled to come to terms with this is that I I just don't think this is a bad album. Like I don't think I think it would almost be easier if they were to, if this like these songs like really sucked, and yeah. I would just be like, yeah, hey, these performances are bad. Like no, I think that they clearly have you know from you know pretty pretty simple you know kind of funny like you know like legend of zelda like you said like a joy division cover like just I, to be fair like like that legend of zelda cover is like probably my favorite bad bad not good song yeah because like but again I, I love that thing so much i mean maybe it's not 1v1 just because i mean obviously if you play video games you would recognize that anyway yeah but it's still it was again it was memorable and it, in even even the non-cover stuff that they did, uh, I just felt like was was more stood out than than this. But yeah, but I you know I wonder whether this is like sort of the album they needed to make, in a way. Like I I don't think anybody was really forcing them in one direction. Like I think easily they could have just done another four in a way, like and just like had you know a like four or five different features you know like and like vocal features as well on it but 
you know, yeah. they didn't do that. I, I think maybe it's just kind of like, this is the album they needed to make at this point in time, and who knows where they'll go from here. But, I mean, I, I know I'll still be looking out to seeing what they're up to. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, I never, I never begrudge anyone for you know any artist for making the music they want to make like that's yeah that's great good for you um i just just not really just not really something i'm super engaged with right now and yeah. i mean i i like to revisit it because this is the first time that i've, I've kind of felt this way about a bad bad not good project so i'm hoping mm. that and, and who knows you know, we'll see what they do next. Hopefully, it's not another five years before their next release. And I mean, I I would I don't know who else they would collaborate with, but I'm kind of surprised they haven't done another Sour Soul. Like I I, I feel like that they really struck gold with that concept mm. and just they I I don't know I I feel like we're kind of in the minority here. Like because I, I I feel like it it was well regarded, but I don't think it it I don't think a lot of people really think about it a ton. Which anymore, I, I, I think yeah i just, just think it's a shame that's a yeah i know and i mean especially given like sort of the mediocre quality of Ghostface's most recent output it's like i'm I'm surprised people aren't talking about that album more like is it yeah it's like probably the the best Ghostface album of the last decade like yeah. actually it's it's not i don't even know if that's a that's a thing i think that's just kind of like a given right now but <laughs> yeah i'm trying to let me see if I can quickly. There was that one collaboration he did with, I think, a pretty. Um, Are pretty... you talking about the one he did with Bizarreface? Um, oh, oh uh, uh, Twelve Reasons to Die was. Uh, uh, it was a collaboration he did with uh, Adrian Young, who I don't know if I really know who that is. Uh, I, I think, I think he's just like like an instrumental rap rap producer. Um, that was a really really cool album. But yeah, I mean, I think Sour Soul knocks it out of the the water. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. I mean, again, they could totally make whatever music they want to make, just not, you know, can't say it's something that I'm super excited about. Um, but always glad yeah. to hear new music from artists I've followed for a while, which, speaking, speaking of, of which, of, yes, yeah. uh, that, see, that, that, see, that was a nice, wholesome segue. There was nothing goofy yeah. about it. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm improving. I'm working on myself. <laughs> Um, and I, 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 I like I like it when when, when, it's, goofy though, <laughs> when so. it's super goofy. Uh, yeah, this is the new Ko Dot album, which in true Ko Dot fashion has a very unique name. <laughs> Moss which, grew on the swords and plowshares alike, which is a totally reasonable sentence that makes perfect sense, and you don't have to think about it. Anyway, um, this is... I actually really like the word plowshare. I just I think that's a fun word. I mean, it, um, it, 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 I guess it makes sense, but I don't know if it makes sense as a title, I guess. Yeah, like it's... it's yeah, it's a little... Like, technically, it's a, it's a logical sentence, and it's constructed well, and, you know, you get an image from it, but I don't really see why this had to be named this, but, I mean, at the same time... You know, I, I mean, but well, I think we can go into this. Well, I mean, they, I, did you look into the background on this by any chance? Uh, I didn't, honestly. Oh, so I because, guess I'll, I'll let you take uh, it away. I, I think part of the reason that this has this title, uh, I mean, I think partially is just because that's just how Toby Driver works in some ways. Um, but 
this is actually so uh, this year is the 20th anniversary I want to say of the first uh, model of the well album um, yes actually yeah that, that yep yeah and That's so really cool. um, coincidentally and they actually talk about this on their bandcamp page um, this album was recorded with the the original Modlin of the Well members. Ooh, like, that's cool. Yeah, and actually in the same studio that they recorded their first Modlin of the Well, you know, uh, album with. So interesting. Um, so in, in many ways, it's kind of like a throwback, in some, you know. Um, and I think given sort of the sonic characteristics of this album, which you know, uh, you know, I, I think with the last two Chaos albums, which I. Last three, even, right? Because um, Coffins on Io, uh, Plastic House on Base of Sky, and Blasphemy all kind of had like this um, kind of synthy, jazzy, um, more lighthearted, kind of proggy sort of atmosphere as opposed to sort of this avant garde metal mayhem that they were known for before then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and obviously, like, they're kind of excursions into like more chamber weirdness that they did with uh blue lambency downward but anyway so yeah but like as opposed to those albums this is kind of like a return to form quote unquote um where you have like you know uh i don't want to say death growls because i don't really know if these really constitute as death growls or not but um um, but like you know harsher vocals you know definitely a focus on more heavy sounds and uh you know just overall just like an avant-garde metal type of vibe to it yeah um yeah so you know it, in some ways i think it's it's you know return to form in a few different dimensions um and you know i i remember hearing about um because i you know again fantano was talking about um i think he was talking about get out of the tower which was i think the debut single from this thing and he was just like this is like impressive and it's really cool to hear like these harsh vocals come back and things like that and um so, I mean, I was really excited for this because, I mean, over the last few years, I've really grown to love KO Dot. Um, and it's just, like, I was just really psyched for this thing. And um, now that we have it, uh, wh- wh- why don't you open up with, with this thing? Ooh, I'm interested by your tone of voice. So, yeah. Uh, I, so, actually, thanks for bringing that up because that makes a lot of sense now. I mean, I definitely got I, major... You know, also, just funny little tidbit. If I would suggest people go to the Bandcamp and just read the description because they really don't talk about the album a ton as much as they talk about like, "Hey, model of the well lineups back, bitches." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like, mean, but, but th- th- that's a huge pull, I think, for that. That would be for a lot of people because yeah, um, yeah, for, for, for sure. But I also kind of want to learn about the album that, no. that they're that they're trying to like hawk. You know? Yeah. No. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, but I, I, anyway, yeah. I, I before I interrupted you, um, what were you saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I think that opens up a lot because they, for a while, um, obviously, Hubardo. I mean, so first of all, Malin of the Well was you know really seminal avant garde metal band. Really was was a, a bridge in that regard for kind of what you would consider as modern avant-garde metal um in my opinion at least Hmm. hubardo was a great double album like definitely brought the metal back after several yeah yeah, several releases where it wasn't super super heavy um 
And then Coffin's Denial, Plastic House on Base of Sky. I like them. I think they were probably the, the first two albums stretch in their discography where I felt like they didn't do anything different. I felt like those two records probably sound the like in terms of consecutive releases in their discography, they sound the most like s- similar. Um, mm. So I don't remember spending a lot of time with Blasphemy, and I don't really know remember why. I think I liked it, but just for whatever reason, I, I didn't return to it a lot. So I was excited to kind of make up for it with this new release, and I just I, I'm not sure if it's a meat. I just had a hard time really grabbing onto this uh i wasn't Mm. sure if it was it just felt like everything was moving i didn't necessarily dislike the ideas it just felt like it was moving really slowly it felt like everything was just kind of almost like in stasis like you're listening to it in like purgatory in a way and i I couldn't tell if i you know what was keeping me back i really and i don't know i've never thought like noticed this Honestly, I never noticed it in like a positive or negative way about their music. I really didn't like the vocals on this album, honestly. And I, I, I think once that clicked for me, I kind of came to a consensus. Just because, I mean, the singing was fine. Uh, I think his, his his singing always matches what's going on. I don't know if it's particularly good or bad. I, I just, I thought the, especially because of what you heard on. Hubardo. Hubardo had some great growls. Like Hubardo had some. Hubardo real... or Hubardo? Hubardo. We'll go with Hubardo. I, I, I don't know. I, I I just I just don't know because it's based on um on uh, Enochian uh, language that John D came up with like two hundred years ago or something oh. like that. Well, we'll so we'll, we'll, we'll who go the with fuck knows. We'll go with Hubardo. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean there were some great metal screams, growls, whatever on that record. Yeah. The, dude, the, the, that album starts off with just. Ooh. yeah exactly and and yeah i just didn't i i thought they were really lacking here i didn't you know I, they were definitely with the worst screams i've ever heard but they certainly weren't yeah, but it, like I, I guess it it like i wrote down in my notes is it, it sounds like toby driver's always in the midst of like hawking up some phlegm kind of <laughs> like like it, it always feels like, like he's just like he's got something in his throat that, that, yeah. that he's like trying to get out, but he's also trying to do a vocal take at the same time. And so he's just like, fuck it. I'm going to do both at the same time. I'm going to do both. With it. Two birds, one stone. Like, um, yeah. Like final yeah. take. I don't care. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I, yeah. I think that's ultimately where I landed with it is that the reason it was holding me back is that the music was kind of, I mean, it was cool. You know, it was moving. I don't think this take on the formula hits as well as you know, like the model of the well did back in the day or even you know Hubardo. um yeah i just i think the the vocals were not super complimentary to music that i i also wasn't like super excited about um again i don't think it's it's i don't think it's a bad album necessarily but i it's interesting because now i wonder if they were more focused on I wonder if they were more focused on just channeling that, you know, Mountain of the Well magic, so to speak. Than... Yeah, but like, I the thing is, like, with I don't know. So I, you you used uh, a phrase, you know, just sort of that. I, I I kind of like. It felt like it was too slow, or like it it wasn't really taking. It was taking too much of his time, or well, I I can't remember the exact 
It felt like it was going in slow motion almost. They, like, just felt everything was just like, kind of in purgatory. Like it wasn't. It just was. It just was like a, like a half. What do you mean? Oh, so I think you cut out a little bit. Sorry. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I was okay. I, I wasn't sure whether it was just my side or not. Um, I know, like it, it suddenly went yeah. quiet. So I think the last thing I said is it yeah. felt like it was in purgatory where everything was just. I wasn't sure if it was on the right. Like there were some points where I'm like, is this supposed to be super fast or heavy? It, it feels like it's like a yeah. half step below where it needs to be. And even some points where it was. It, you know, you could tell they were trying to be slow. I'm like, this almost is like too slow. Like it just needs like a yeah. little bit extra. Oomph. I, see, I I don't know if I I I get what you mean. Like I I know what you're trying to say, and I I I just feel like I can't come up with the right phrase to kind of describe what you're trying to say mm-hmm. in a way. Because like there's this, I I want to say like like it's it's almost like they were trying. It, it's really difficult like um i i basically I, I wrote down that just basically like it it feels like it's a good like you know kind of out there death metal album like kind of like an avant-garde death metal album, but it's not a great ko dot album yeah i mean it, i i definitely like, if i yeah, i like, think they were trying to it, it was almost like a ko dot like ko dot trying to make a kid like trying too hard to sound like yeah almost yeah yeah, like, but but like, I, I I feel like with this out, like it it's just there are parts of it that just sounded so bizarre and not in like a good way, but more in like it it really felt like it was like struggling at some points, to like make its composition work. Like yeah. it, it it always felt like, I, I I guess, probably the biggest takeaway for me was that like I think with previous Chaotic albums. What really attracted me was the way, you know, Toby Driver would just compose these tracks and just sort of imbue them with, like, this mysterious energy, kind of. Mm-hmm. And, like, everything that, you know, like, I love about, like, Blue Lambency Downward and, like, Habardo and the Choirs of the Eye, you know, I what comes off the most for me in those albums is is how, you know as much as you listen to it, there's always like this ragged, mysterious edge to it that you can't quite figure out in mm-hmm. a way. And and it's just like, it, it kind of tugs at you and it, and it just has like this, this really nice energy to it that you just really want to like listen to more and more. Like, you know, talking about this right now makes me want to just get my copy of Lamb and Sea and just stick it on right now. Which is why um, I think that context you have at the beginning, I'm, I, 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 I kind of like my brain's, churning right now because I, I i'm gonna stick with it i really sounds like they were trying really hard to make an early ko dot you know late model of the well yeah like they were just were trying yeah. to cling on to that and i guess that kind of gives new meaning to what you're saying with the Bandcamp page is that they spent so yeah. much time talking about that that maybe they should have spent more time talking about the album yeah, or, or it, making it, the album it, it just it just felt like it was just lacking in, you know, I, I guess similar to some of the Bad, Bad, Not Good album. It's just like it, it lacked like this charisma that, you know, really kind of attracted me to like the band in the first place. And I mean, I come from somebody who was initially very, very reluctant to get into KO Dot. Like, you know, I, I had tried and I just not had a good time. And 
you know, trying it again was a huge breakthrough for me, you know, and Blamacy Downward was like that album that like made that click for me, even though having previously listened to it, I was like, fuck this, you know? <laughs> so, um, it's, yeah, it, it, it just really feels like it's, it's really lacking in, you know, I, not necessarily like originality. It's, it's just like, I, I feel like with everything that Toby Driver does, he's always trying something new even if it's still in his wheelhouse, you know, he's always trying to try new things. And like, you know, I, I mean, we've talked, you know, I think usually whenever we talk about KO dot, you always mention this, that, um, uh, our, our friend Nick, uh, interviewed Toby driver and, uh, he was, Toby driver was, uh, noticeably, you know, I don't know, shocked, but just surprised and maybe even possibly offended at sort of Nick's assertion that like, you know, these like like because he was talking about um coffins and i and and uh house on pla you know plastic house on base of sky yeah that like they sounded very similar and he was like i i don't think they sound similar at all or, yeah you know, something like that and like you know i i but i i think there is a key right there is that you know it might sound similar to us but he's you know he's really thinking a lot about what he's doing and i feel like with this it it just didn't feel like he was you know giving it you know, sort of that, that same like focus in a way. Um, and it's just really disappointing because like, you know, the album cover is awesome. I, I think it's really cool. And like, yeah. I, I think it's just, it, it's cool even in concept to sort of see KO dot go back to sort of like a, um, a harsher sound, but I mean, maybe it's not a good thing because maybe KO dot's just one of those groups that just needs to keep pushing you know, and not go back and just always keep looking forward. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, no, I mean, th yeah. I think that that is an interesting, that's a, it's funny how I brought that up a number of times, but somehow this time that feels the most appropriate to bring you that, that specific <laughs> interaction because it's interesting how, when someone brought up the idea that, you know, re, you know, he's retreading his steps. It's like, Oh, like, you know, that that's preposterous. But then now they're openly you know, they're openly talking about reliving yeah. the heyday. Um, yeah, that that's you know what that's pretty much. Yeah, it sounds like we're pretty much on the same page. That it, yeah, it's... I mean, I I will say like I think in this album's defense, I mean, I I gave this thing three listens. Um, I really didn't want to give even even more than one after my first listen to it because it, I just found it that disappointing. But um, you know, I kept giving it a chance and um you know i i definitely enjoyed it a little more each time but still it's just it's just it's just really lacking you know in in just this again i i can only place it as just like this energy that is just really lacking you know it just really isn't there it doesn't feel like it's it's moving forward as much as it's you know constantly you know facing backwards yeah, um, and, and I, I think that's like you said, a little bizarre for yeah, this kind of project. Yeah, it, it's 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 definitely very strange. Um, you know, and yeah, I I I was really disappointed because I mean a lot of people are really liking this, and I think maybe it's just because a lot of, I think a lot of those same, like, rate your music fans are just like, oh, choir the eye in Habardo or nothing. And, um, I think maybe they're just happy to have something 
is similar to those albums, even though I feel like it's lacking in soul. Yeah, but it, it, it's um, interesting. It, it is interesting how you <laughs> you kind of uh, you kind of want a band <laughs> to give you exactly what you're hoping for. You like you hope that they give you the exact type of music that you want. But in this case, one of the things I love about Ko Dot is that they always are pushing forward. They're always doing something different. So this is like the weird example where a band basically said, "Hey, this is exactly what you know longtime fans would look for," but it's just not. Yeah, it doesn't click right in the same way. It really doesn't, unfortunately. Uh, and I, I was like, I was really excited when I heard about this thing. Um, yeah, kind of. It, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. Um, but I guess, uh, unless you have anything more to say, I think, do you want to talk about albums of the week? No, I, I feel like definitely this week it's needed to end on a, end on a high note. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's talk about albums of the week. And I'm excited to talk about it because I unpacked crazy haul from red scroll i just yes. like you know I, I was i was home alone i was bored you know lauren was gone <laughs> gone for the weekend and i just went through the, they have i think it's the three dollar yeah three dollar ucds like all the ucds which makes a lot of sense because they don't have to worry about going through each individual release and just like pricing it out um when they scan it in the rate your music i guess they do a little bit more clo- discogs or, yeah, yeah, and Discogs. Well, maybe, maybe they scanned right your music, who knows? <laughs> but they, they scan into Discogs. I think that they go a little bit more, like, you know, what's the average sale price or whatever. They had a ton of really cheap, you know, like, one-ish dollar prices that I was like, man, this is this is awesome. At, at Red Score uh, Records yeah. in Connecticut. Yeah, which is, uh, is one, well. yeah, one of my Probably. Th- thanks for clarifying. As if, as if everyone everyone should know where that is. Um, well, but, I, I was, you know, I, I, I feel like only some listeners might be able to read your mind. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, I bless those people, but, you know, <laughs> let, let, let's, I'm, I'm trying to be more inclusive. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's very, very fair. Um, uh, so, yeah, like I said, just, just kind of a bunch of really, really cheap UCDs, and I'm, I'm still making my way through it. Um, I It was hard for me to pick just one, but... Um, I guess I had a lot, like, really, really good time with this one album that I... It, it was a blind purchase, in a way. Um, it's Ben Browning, and the album is called Turns. Um, the reason yeah. I was interested in it is because I believe this is the lead singer or he's um one of like the main songwriters for a band called cut copy which is actually i bought one of their albums a little while back based on one of the lead singles called hearts on fire which is is really really cool like fun it's like in that that movement like new rave where it's like the in the 2000s where it was kind of indie but it was like very very danceable like more danceable than indie tronica i love how we're just getting really pretentious with the genre tag at this point <laughs> but the rest of the album was a little it just wasn't super da- like it wasn't that level of danceable it wasn't like i felt like they were leaving some pop hooks on the table this album does not do that you know this is his solo project i don't know if he's released any other albums but this is all of the fun 
and danceability of cut copy that I didn't really get from their other records I've listened to. Um, I don't know, with cut copy, it feels like they were afraid to just make straight up dance music. And Ben was just like, you know what? I'm not. I'm going to do that. And I think it <laughs> works out really well where you still get kind of the quirky, you know, indie, um, you know, indie traits that you would hope for with kind of like an indie Tronica esque album. But it's, it's still super, super poppy, super catchy. And I'm really glad it worked out again. This is, this was one that I spent like, like a dollar or two bucks on. So, so, so it's almost like, um, almost like an indie tronic version of uh jamie xx's in color in some maybe ways. yeah i think that's uh i think that's probably a fair comparison and that's another one where <laughs> i feel like he poured uh, not to go on another tangent. i mean like we should really just call this podcast tangents because i feel like i just i, I spring Dude, us all like, over the place if we ever just decided to do like a big format change and just did like mostly free episodes i like that would be like, yeah. I feel like we we that would warrant that name change yeah. in a way. <laughs> but, but like, I I I love going on tangents. So because yeah. I feel like that, that that's how conversations go. That's how good conversations go in my yeah, mind. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, but I think before you know, not to get too far down it, but uh, I think it felt like Jamie XX really poured like years upon years of creative output into in color. Because uh, I even I even heard a whiff that he's even working on anything else and Mm. even the xx haven't released a new album for uh, like four years at this point maybe longer uh let me check that out um yeah so i I, uh, yeah that just i would love to hear a new jamie because i love (laughs) in color and i I just i i think i have a copy of it i need to pull that out Uh, maybe that'll i'll put that on the car that that'd be nice to listen to in the car that's yeah that's a good car album uh yeah, yeah. There, there are some great car albums out there yeah um i see you the, la- <laughs> the last xx album came out in 2017 so they they haven't and i think in color came out in like 2015 so yeah, something kinda, like that they've been kind of kind of quiet but uh, oh my gosh <laughs> oh my gosh move it move it, move it. <laughs> okay um i i guess i should probably talk about my album of the week yeah take it away <laughs> Yeah, so um, I was actually looking through my, my my journal to see what I had listened to this week because, you know, I most of my listening for the last few days has been for uh, this episode, um, and I just I I don't know if there's really any album here that I could really pick as an album of the week, frankly. Um, uh, but and I, I I did get Coil Scatology in, and I was talk, thinking about talking about that, but I'm like I talked about Coil last week, and it's like it's still a great album, but. Um, but I did get this other album in not too long ago, and I finally listened to it last week. And it is um, it's a collection of, uh, I guess, like it's like avant-garde classical, it's like electronic music uh, by, her, her name's uh, Eliane Redig. Uh, she's a, a French composer. Um, and this is, a, so it's called a Opus 17, but it's a, um, I guess it's technically one piece altogether, but it's it's a bunch of different pieces you know, kind of underneath it in a way. Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting album. It, it's it's made from like using um, feedback, um, and sort of basically like it's it's almost like Muzi Concrete made using just stuff made from feedback, in a way. Well, that sounds that, that's cool. 
Yeah, like the, that's the best way I've been able to put it. it it's it's really interesting. Um, some of it kind of reminds me of um, Pauline Oliveros' uh, early electronic music work, or um, you know, in sort of her tape machine stuff, mm-hmm. um, where you know, uh, you sh- like a lot of it's just very droney, and you, you know, there's not a ton of movement going on, um, at least like oblique movement. Um, but it's still just really interesting. And then the the first track on it is is probably probably the most um, you know I, I I guess on the face interesting you know or at least most accessibly interesting even. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it's have you ever heard of um, there's a piece by uh, Alvin Lucier called uh, "I'm Sitting in a Room." Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I. I I might have talked about this before. I don't know, but it, so it's basically it, he uses the uh, reverberations. And he uses the sound of the room he's recording in. So basically, he takes he repeats his phrase. You know, like I'm sitting in a room. He it, basically the phrase explains the piece itself, and he once he finished saying that, you know, recording that piece, he played that recording out in the same room, and recorded that recording and he kept doing that over and over again and so eventually the room's acoustics actually take over and you end up because you, you you're basically dealing with like generation loss in, in a in like um kind of like an analog sense almost yeah. um and so you know it ends up becoming just noise you know at the end of the day and just like it, it's you can't even hear his voice anymore and so this is the same thing that she does in this first piece except that she takes a um uh, like a Chopin uh, piano etude and and just keeps repeating it and you know records that recording and then records the recording of the recording and so eventually the room's acoustics take over for that and it's really fascinating to hear that because she really like at the end of it it almost sounds like um, like an ambient piece it, it's it's fascinating that sounds um, really really cool yeah the, the, it was a really interesting uh I'm really glad I bought it. Uh, she's she's a composer I've been really wanting to get into. Um, so it was, I, I saw this on a, Important Records, and so I just kind of just jumped at it. Um, yeah, it was really great. So highly recommend. Nice. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. But uh, we will be back next week with, uh, with our book club, um, barring any unforeseen circumstances. So, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, as always. Yeah, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on... uh, iTunes pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast. Basically, uh, we are on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about, or questions, anything like that, uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email I think is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.